At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowlers. Welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. My name is Elliot, and let me just say, if you're enjoying these podcast episodes, the best thing that you can do is tell your friends about it. The podcast world is a unique place. It's kind of stuck back in time. It's a word-of-mouth industry still. There's no algorithm that's just going to put this in your face. You have to seek it out, or you have to hear about it. So the number one way that you can... Help me out if you like this content. Just tell your hunting buddies about it. Because I can tell you I am certainly enjoying doing this. Loving this podcast. Loving bringing you guys this content. If you want more, you can meet me at patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting where we have more North American Waterfowler podcast content that is only over there. And you can get entered in next year's hunt giveaway. Season 3 of the Patreon hunt giveaway where you will come on a hunt with me if you're the winner. We also have a monthly podcast drawing where people, whoever gets drawn by the spinning wheel comes and joins me on a podcast here. We've already had Kenny Bagno on and what a great guest he was. The second one has been drawn. Come join us over there. So today we're going to do a follow up episode from two weeks ago where I went on a little rant about water swatting. And I asked people to email me for someone who was aggressively against water swatting to come on here and join me and talk. And we can have a little mini debate or just discussion about it. And as of yet, I have not found anyone willing to come on here and present that side of things. But I did receive a very, very interesting email. Someone who gave a lot of counterpoints to my arguments, but this person did not want to be named, did not want to be on the podcast because he said that he's not angry about it, which I did specifically say, if you're angry about it, that's the guy I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who are so vehemently against water swatting that it makes them feel emotions. And I want to have a conversation with that person and, and just talk, talk this subject through. So, um, we will get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to do our second ever Woody's Top 5. 
I am loving these segments, and I hope that you are too. So here we go, the second ever Woody's Top 5. Well, we recently had Woody on to share one of his top five lists with us, and I got so many messages, so many emails saying we want more Woody. So we're bringing him back today for another, his second edition of Woody's Top 5 Countdown. Woody, how you doing tonight? Hey, brother, I'm doing great. I'm telling you what, I, I am just floored, floored honestly, by the the number of folks that have reached out to me, and as we discussed last time, they, I've had some kind of inappropriate messages come through, but boy, that's, you sure turned a tide, Elliot. I've sure been getting lots of really supportive messages from, uh, from the waterfowl community, and uh, that's really done my heart good. Today's top five is the the top five. Now, this is just my opinion and the information I've gathered from some of my hunting buddies, but the top five worst hunting snacks we've ever had. Number five is anything with caramel in it. Now, I ain't always had the best dental health, and uh, I, over the years, I've had to have a couple of teeth crowned, a couple of teeth pulled, and couple of root canals and things like that down I even got a partial down here on the left side and, well when you take caramel out into the hunting world it tends to get really hard and really sticky and Elliot I've well I've lost nearly a thousand dollars worth of crowns and dental work over the years to caramel I've decided I ain't taking that hard on your teeth it's been very difficult yeah very rough on me so I I ain't taking the caramel to the duck blind anymore now number four this is we had a feller used to hunt with us every once in a while and I that goober would go by the gas station on the way to the duck duck hole and he'd buy up a whole pile of them pink snowball cakes. Do you remember those? You ever have any of them? Yeah, I love oh, those. Oh, Lord I have mercy. Them. Delicious. Now, anything with coconut in it. It don't have to. It could be Mounds or Almond Joy or any of them little uh, pink and brown and white candy deals with the, with the coconut. I tell you, when I start chewing on coconut, I feel like a goat chewing on cud. It just never goes away. <laughs> and then... If I go to blow my duck call, it gets all stuck inside. I got to take the whole thing apart. It just ain't worth it. So I ain't ever taken anything with coconut to the duck. No coconut. No coconut. Uh, Number three, and that's it. Little orange peanut butter crackers. They come in a little package with six of them in there. Lances are different. I know they're delicious, but they only last about thirty minutes before they turn into powder. They break up into all kinds. You open that thing up, and they go everywhere. And what ends up usually happening is I go to take a bite, and I take a breath in. I suck a bunch of them crumbs down. Somebody ends up having to give me CPR in the floor of the duck line. So I ain't taking them things with me no more. Now, number two. This one's a little more specific. Um, you know, I've talked about Lamb's Mama a lot on the show, and and uh, or on, on, on my videos, anyhow. And Lamb's Mama, she... She's a quite a woman. She she's lived through a lot and raised old Lim by herself most of the most of the time, and and uh, she made do with a with a lot less than a lot of women have over the years. One of the things that she uh, she well, they ate a lot of coons over there at the Parsons household. Uh, they didn't always have enough money to to go out and buy fancy stuff like you know pork and and beef liver and them kind of things, and so. So, uh, Miss Parsons, she 
would cook a lot of coon meat, and one of the things that they would uh, make every year was coon jerky. Now, I ain't opposed to coon jerky. I'm not saying I don't like it. Okay, well, maybe be, I don't like it, but I'm not opposed to eating it. I've eaten quite a bit of it over the years, but when you eat it, when the air's real cold, see, coon, I don't know how much coon y'all eat out there in Kansas, but coon's a little bit greasy, and, well, if you start eating on that coon jerky, and you open up your mouth and get a breath of cold air in, all that grease just turns the lard inside your mouth and the whole just coats the whole dirt inside of your mouth and I end up having to scrape the inside of my mouth with a glove just to get it all out of there. It like the top of the roof of your mouth. Oh, it's, it's awful. Greasy. It's awful. And then just and so I ain't eating no more coon jerky in the duck blind. I'll eat it at home where it's nice and warm, but not when it's cold. Well that takes us to number one. Now I've eaten more of these in my life than I'm, uh, than I'd probably like, than I'd be willing to admit. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing, and I don't even know exactly what turned me against them. But you remember them little orange wedges, little gummy orange wedges with the sugar coating on the outside? Did y'all ever have yes. those? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, one year, me and Lynn Parsons was probably about. 16 or 17 years old, and I don't think it was the orange slices that was a problem at all. I think I probably had a touch of the stomach flu, but we got up one morning and walked all the way out to the river, got in a duck blind out there and sat till about 2 or 3 in the afternoon. It was starting to turn off toward evening. We didn't have nothing with us to eat. There was a bag of them orange wedges somebody left stuck up in the top of the duck blind. We split that bag of orange wedges, and he ate half, and I ate the other half. We got about halfway home to town. I said, Lim, I'm going to have to stop a minute here. I got out of my waders as quick as I could. Elliot, everything I ate for the last six months came out of somewhere in my body. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's just something about that experience that. <laughs> kind of turned me off on orange wedges, and do I don't think That'll I'll ever eat another one. But I'm definitely not going to eat one in the duck blind because I'm afraid of the PTSD that may come upon me if I do. <laughs> well, that's your top five snacks that I ain't never going to eat in the duck blind again. Well, yeah, the, I would agree with some of those, but I, I, I will. Um, now, I'll get I, if you're interested in the coon jerky. Now, I'm getting Lim's mama to send you some. Well, I don't know that I've ever tried coon, so I, I think I'm going to have to pass on that one. But I uh, certainly appreciate you coming by and chatting with for, for us for a little bit. Everyone, this has been Woody's Top 5. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 
to get 50% off. That's Waypoint Pod 50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Man, I hope you guys like Woody as much as I do. I just, I'm loving that content. I hope you like it as much as I do. Now let's get on to the meat of this podcast episode. Another, another one where we talk a little bit about water swatting. So a little background um, before I get into this. I thought up until 2016, I thought it was illegal to water swap. And I found out that it wasn't. And in fact, I've got a video where I'm making fun of my dad because he shot a duck just as it landed. And I was joking with him about how he was going to get in trouble because it was water swatting. I just thought it was illegal until 2016. I had never water swatted a bird ever. And after I found out it was legal, I started water swatting a little bit on teal. So from 91 to 2016, I never water swatted a single bird. And I didn't really think about it. I thought it was wrong because it's illegal. But when I found out it was legal, I started water swatting teal a little bit. Because from 1991 to 2016, I always missed teal getting off the water. I don't know why. I just found it extremely difficult. So from there on, I started, I'd say, out of, I typically shoot, I don't know, 20 to 30 teal during the teal season, and maybe I'd water swat three or four of them. Um, but I started getting really aggressive responses on to the YouTube videos about water swatting. People that were just making it out as though it was like the biggest sin. How horrible. I mean, people that were just really upset. And so that's what brought on all of this. My My inability to understand not why someone wouldn't do it because i do understand that but why someone would feel such emotion about it that's so that is my goal i want to have a calm rational conversation with someone at some point that feels that strongly about it so let me retract a little bit it doesn't necessarily even have to be that you're just so angry we can take that off of it but if you to the core of your being believe that this should never be done by anyone i would love to have a conversation about it so before we get into this comment of the week because that's this whole thing is going to be comment of the week about water swatting um and then we'll probably unless someone emails me and wants to be on here then we'll probably move away from it for a long long time because i don't want to overdo it but i do think it's worthy of of a little more conversation let me read this email to you and I was hoping that this person would come on, but I understand they didn't want to. Really nice guy. Really nice guy. But here's, here is what the, 
the email said. Well, I almost forgot the jingle. Here we go. Comment of the week. It's time for the comment of the week. Okay. So this was an email. Someone emailed this to me. I have seen ducks not die from water swats. They end up suffering longer than necessary or escape wounded. Shot size may be the issue also, as well as distance. From what I've seen, it is unethical with number two, number BB shot size above 15 yards. It is just as bad as flock shooting or sky busting in this case. I think your shots dispatch the ducks cleanly. And in that case, it is meat on the table. As for me, I decided water swats were unethical. Also, there is a huge concern of crowded areas where there may be camouflaged hunters across the water. Unless absolutely certain of the surroundings, low shots are extremely dangerous. We are responsible for every shot that comes out of the barrel. Well, thank you so much for sending that to me. Um, I'm going to go through each one of these points. Um, I have seen ducks not die from water swats and unscaping and escaping. I don't know about you guys, but that is absolutely not the case with me. And he says 15 yards. I would say 35 yards. The only time I've ever seen water swatting be an issue where birds might get away is there have been a few times where a mallard has landed at about 50 yards and several of us all. And in fact, this is the only time I ever try to water swat mallards because I love shooting mallards coming up off the water. But this is the only time a mallard drake lands at about 45 to 50 yards. And we all decide to team up and try to kill that bird on the water. Because if it flushes off the water, it, it's going to be going away and it just quickly in increases its distance. I have learned after trying that a few times that this is a very good recipe for wounded loss. It's just too far. I've seen, um, I have seen a few killed this way, but I have seen some get away and be wounded at this too. So it's not, it's not something, any, anything that I want to do anymore. Now the guy that wrote this to me said that with number two shot, anything above 15 yards is, is like sky busting. And I just could not disagree with this more. I have water swatted teal at 15, 20, 25, 30. They always die guys. They always die. Now I am talking teal because I don't, Water swat, hardly ever water swat. I can't think of an instance where I did. I th oh, I can think of one time where I water swatted a widgeon. Um, but inside of 30 yards, everything that I've seen, even 35 yards, is that water swats equal instant deaths. It's just not my experience. I don't know um, if, if this guy, how many birds he's seen water swatted and, and get away, but I just don't see it. Do you guys see that? Because I just don't see it. If that were the case, I would be all in for this opinion. If I was trying to water swap birds at 25 yards and they and it was creating more wounded loss, then I would be, I would totally agree. But it's just not what I see. It's not what I've ever seen, except for the mallard instances I was talking about. Um, gosh, I, I dare not say 100%. I just can't recall a time ever trying to water swat birds inside of 35 where they've gotten away. I cannot remember one time. I can remember times where it's taken more than one shot, but I just cannot remember birds getting away. So when I hear someone saying that anything about 15 is like sky busting, I, I'm just like, 
I don't understand either. I, I just don't understand how that opinion comes comes to pass. I mean, this is his experience, and I can't. I, and I'm sure he's not lying. It's just not my experience. But by all means, if you're the type of person that has been water swatting a little bit, and anything above 15 yards tends to get away, don't do it. Absolutely, don't do it. It's just not my experience. Um. Crowded area. The other point was crowded areas where there may be camouflage hunters across the water. And I will say, if you are hunting close enough to other people to shoot them with a shotgun and you don't know that they're there, you got some real problems. I, I don't, I can't think of a scenario in which someone is close enough to you that you don't know they're there and you can shoot them. You don't, you haven't, you don't see the decoys. You don't hear them calling. I mean, I have seen ballistics tests done. I watched a video of this and they had ballistic gel and they shot that ballistic gel from a hundred yards with a shotgun. No damage at all. BBs from a hundred yards can't affect you. That's, that's now once, once they started getting inside like 80 ish, it started penetrating ballistic gel. But like 100 yards, they couldn't even penetrate the ballistic gel hardly. So the thought that somehow what I'm not understanding is this in this argument. If you're shooting at a pass shot with someone and another person is, let's say, 100 yards away from you and somehow you don't know they're there. How is shooting them? Now, if you're shooting straight up, obviously you're not going to hit them. But let's say you have a bird decoy and he's, he's hovering at 20 yards above the ground. You would have a more, a bigger chance at hitting someone 100 yards away that for somehow you didn't know they were there with that shot than you would at water swatting and skipping pellets off, I guess, skipping pellets off the water. I mean, that argument, quite honestly, just does not make any sense to me. Um, that water swatting somehow gives you a more of a chance to hit people in the marsh. I, I'm, I mean, they would have to be at 50, 60 yards and it, 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 you just don't hunt that close to people. You just don't hunt that, that close to people. Um, so that is. Really, both of those both of those points I don't find to be um, hold much water. I, ju I just don't. I don't think that either of them really make sense. Now, once again, if you are trying to water swap birds and you are finding that it has created wounded lo wounded loss for you, which is what this guy says, then by all means do not do it, because we need to minimize wounded loss. It's not my experience. If there are people so close to you that you are worried about shooting them, or if there's so many people in a pool that you're worried that there may be people inside of your shotgun range that you don't know are there, leave. you need to leave. You need to leave and go somewhere else. But anyway, I appreciate this person emailing me. Really nice guy. We emailed back and forth a few times. So thank you for emailing me. And again, if you would like to come on here and have a conversation with me, if you feel very, very adamant about this issue and you would like to talk to me and come on the show, it's freelance duck hunting at gmail.com. 
Well, that's all I've got for you guys today. I've got, man, I've got a, an awesome podcast that I'm not going to reveal lined up um, in the near future. I'm really, really excited about it. So keep on checking in. Please hit up those ratings. Give me the ratings. Um, come over to Patreon. Join us over there. Until next time, this has been another episode.